The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This episode is powered by DEN Certifications. You want to deepen your practice or supplement your knowledge for your day-to-day job? You'd be surprised to know how many certifications we do offer. All levels of Reiki, intuitive healing, compassion, animal communications, and of course, our deep 400-hour meditation teacher training program. Go to denmeditation.com and look under certifications for more information. Hey guys, welcome to Den Talks podcast, our live event with Paul Selig. We're so excited to have you here, right? Um, I know, amazing. And I'll do a proper introduction too. But just a reminder: there's a Q and A at the end, so get your questions ready. That's the beauty of being here live. And thank you for those who are listening or watching at home. We appreciate that. And just so you know, next month we are going to have our own Jason Moten here talking about his transgender journey. So that's going to be amazing too. So reserve your spots for that. But, and you are also going to do a personal practice, like always, and he is going to do a channeled attunement. So that's going to be awesome. Yes. So, and more importantly, the, all his books, he's going to be selling all his books in Den 1 at the end of the night and signing. So I know after this, you guys are going to want to run and grab. And like usual, we are going to have some light bites and drinks and something to eat so we can all chill out and talk and hang out. And he will be in Den 1. So there'll be lots to do afterwards. So make sure you don't completely run out. But we are so excited to have you here. If you guys don't know who he is, you're in for a treat. He is a world-renowned channeler. And you kind of come from unlikely sorts, which is what I love. I mean, he's a Yale grad. And then in academia for years, you're still on the board at NYU, correct? Goddard College. Goddard College. Um, so he comes from academia. And you just wouldn't expect him to be this guy. But then through kind of like you had a dark night of the soul, which you talk about. And you literally asked for help. And everything changed. You all of a sudden, your energy changed, your vibrations changed, and you had this amazing ability to start kind of hearing and feeling what people were saying and thinking. And it wasn't right away. It was a little bit later that he actually started channeling through his guides, which he'll be more specific about. And I'm, I'm guessing it's probably you were then ready or your vibrations were ready to handle it. And thank God for us, that's what happened, because he is downloading amazing information that is just life-changing for any of you who have read his books. First of all, the books themselves have attunements in them and they carry the energy. So buy it for that reason alone and just put your hand on it. It's almost like a crystal. It just gives you so much information and the vibrations will change everything. The information is mind-blowing too, so also read the books. But, But thank God for him because he is giving us all this information that most of us are not at the level, energetic level, where we can receive this information ourselves. So It is changing how we think, it is changing how we live, and it is only raising us all up. So thank you, and thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And so, thank you. So along with the books, he has another book coming out next week, next week or in two weeks, um, Beyond the Known. And he just had the Book of Freedom come out less than a year ago, right? So that's where I want to start with you is you've had, is that eight books total then? 
Um, this is seven, seven print and the eighth is done. So Right, so eight. Yeah. So and it feels like it's on this kind of fast track and it's coming and coming and coming and coming. Is there a reason like why now? Do you do you get any of those messages or feeling is there something of urgency or is there a reason it's coming faster and faster? I didn't expect the first book to come. I found out that I was going to be channeling a book two days before they delivered that they said, we have a book to write. And then they did it, and the first book was two weeks of, of dictation. And you know, all of the books are the unedited transcripts of the sessions, um, and now they're all done publicly in front of audiences, you know, much like this. So there's nine books now, the eight books, six, Eight books in nine years, I think, is what it's been totally. And the I, I don't know if the agenda is that they want to use me while I'm walking around and I'm willing to do this. So they're just taking advantage of the fact that they've got somebody who's willing to sit there and repeat all this stuff. But they do say that we, humanity, um, we're at a time of reckoning. And a reckoning is a facing of oneself, they say, and all of our creations and what we've created and aligned to in fear needs to be re-known, re-seen, recreated in a higher way. And they're bringing through, I believe, a way that that can happen. I mean, they have a real agenda here. The guides are teachers. You know, it's not self-help stuff. They're really teaching alchemy at this point. Then the book that they just finished dictating is about alchemy and how we transform the world we live in through consciousness by the lifting of matter. So I think this is the time. And they say, you know, this is why we're here. You know, we're here to facilitate this change that may benefit those who come after us. You know, they've said in the very first book, you know, we're the first generation to support what will follow. So I don't know more than they say. Is there a notion that if we don't learn this, what will happen? Well, you know, they don't teach in fear. They say if we want to learn through blowing ourselves up, we can do that. And they don't seem to have any judgment about that either. But they say that there are other ways to learn and that that's not necessary. But the fact, you know, that we've built these enormous bombs to keep ourselves safe, which they think is the most insane thing they've ever heard, you know, building a bomb to keep yourself safe, they say eventually they go off. You don't build them not to. Eventually they do go off. Now, I'm n I've never heard that that's happening. What I do hear is happening is a dismantling of the structures that we've been comfortable with and that this has been going on for some time and it's accelerating. In the Book of Truth, which was the fifth book that they delivered, they really said that the energy of truth is present now. And they say, in truth, a lie will not be held. And consequently, everything that's been hidden and buried is being brought to the surface. And they say, if you imagine your backyard is an archeological dig and things from five days ago and 5,000 years ago are all coming to the surface. It looks like a mess. You know, it's a messy sight, but the opportunity is to bring these things to the light, to be seen, to be lifted, to be healed, not to make them wrong, not to judge, but nothing gets healed when it's suppressed and put in shadow. So that's the process that they say that we're in right now, you know, and it's a collective thing. It's happening all over in different ways. So the dismantling, I do believe, is happening, and that includes the structures that we've relied upon, you know, to know ourselves through, which is 
religion and government and economy and all of those things seem to be being reseen, reunderstood through this time. I may be jumping ahead, but if everything's being dismantled mm-hmm. and it's coming from this frequency, this like higher frequency, if we as a human or as a civilization aren't there collectively, or can some be there and some not? Mm-hmm. And are there, again, I know they don't want to talk out of fear, so I'm not even asking it out of fear, but is there, are there two different kind of futures? I don't hear that, and I know that some people say, well, there's, I mean, the guides have never mentioned 5D. People like to talk about that. They've never said it. The guides speak about octaves, and they say that we're existing in a collective field, you know, a collective reality. They call that an octave. And they say every song, every note can be played in a higher octave into infinity. You know, just because you can't hear it doesn't mean the note's not being sounded. And what they're talking about is the transposing of the music. They say everything is in tone or vibration. The transposing of the music that we are, that everything is, now to what they call the upper room, which they call the next octave up. And the process of lifting things to the upper room, they say, is done individually and collectively through consciousness, through how we claim, how we see, how we know. So the process seems to be, for those who are able to align to that level, you're actually lifting what you encounter by nature of being. The resonance that you're holding in your field is actually doing the work. And they call this re-articulation. So I do suspect if I were to try to understand this, yes, there are two ways of being. But they say when you align to the higher, you become the doorway for it, for others. So none of this is a selfish act, you know. They say you can't be the light and hold another in darkness. That's one of the teachings that they say most often. So those who do align become the light that lifts what they encounter to this other octave of, of vibration. And that's what they're teaching now. And they bring the vibration through and they work. And it's, it's something to feel. And this upper room is part of this new book that's coming yeah. out, correct? Yeah. So can you talk just so anyone who hasn't read your book, so they, when we continue the conversation, have a little bit more basis of kind of the teachings, a little bit of what the small self is and the true self? Well, you know, the personality self, how we know ourselves through personality, they tend to claim as the small self. And that's not to make it wrong. They say it's a misidentification of who we really are. So, you know, we think we're our, bo- we think we're our careers, our bodies, our, our, our ethnicity, our religious background, you know, our marital status. We've self-identified through all of these things, and those are ways of knowing the self, but they're not who we truly are. The true self, they say, is the eternal self, the divine self. They call it, in their first book, the Christed self, but their definition of Christ in all of their books has been the aspect of the creator that can be realized in material form. It's the truth of who and what everybody is. It's not a religious term at all. So the realization of the true self is what they're teaching, and realization um, is the knowing of it and the manifestation of it. It's not conjecture. It's not ideology. It's actually manifestation is what they're teaching. And it's a trippy teaching, and I'm still trying to, you know, wrap my head around it because my job really is to take the dictation, and then in things like this, I'm supposed to talk about what they say because, you know, I'm not the author of the books. I'm the guy that sits in the chair, 
and takes the dictation. So the personality self is who we think we are, and the true self is who we are beyond that, you know, beyond all of these things that we would seek to identify ourselves through. Can you talk a little bit how part of, I mean, what they talk about, part of getting to your true self is also deconstructing pretty much everything around you. Yeah. And how that means it's from, you know, the chairs you guys are sitting on, instead of looking at it being like, well, these are chairs that have been created for us to sit, and we know that's how we use them. It's just seeing them for what they actually are and can be used for many different things and kind of starting from scratch. And then the next step is kind of seeing it from its vibrational level, correct? Yeah, I mean, what they say, and, and because I just heard you say that, I went, ah, that makes no sense because it's a chair. But the guys <laughs> say everything is expressing in, everything is expressing in vibration and tone. What they're saying now, and they, I think they've simplified it, they say actually our only problem, the only problem we really have collectively, they say, is the denial of what they call God or the divine. That's it. Because what you put in darkness, they say, calls you to the darkness. So they really are teaching source or the divine is all things. And in order for that to be realized or known, we actually have to sort of go through this process of disassembling our attachment to meaning, investment, and value in what things have been. So one of the ways they teach that is, well, you know, you call this a chair, but you know, the wood in it used to be a tree, and one day the wood will be in a fire someplace, and it will become smoke and ash. These are different ways of, of understanding matter. And what they're doing now really is bringing us, I think, to the, the comprehension, again, which is knowing of the divine as all things. And they do say all things. You know, you can't get to cherry pick what's divine. And we like to do that. And religion often invites us to do that, which is they're going to hell and you're going to heaven if you do these things. And the guides say, you know, everything is holy. You're already holy. You deny your own divinity. And you're denying your, the divinity in everything you see. So if you're denying the divinity, they say, in anything or anyone, you're aligning to that level of consciousness, which is a lower vibrational take, which is, again, back to the idea of, you know, what you put in darkness calls you to that darkness. You know, they say you can't lift the evil man to the, to the upper room because you've made him evil. And the deconstruction you're talking about is the realization of who the man is beyond how you would blame him, identify him, put him outside of something. Because at his essence, whether or not you like him or agree with him, he must be of source because everything is. The realization, again, which is the knowing of this, is what actually shifts the vibration of the thing you see. And I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself now because they, you're referencing Book of Freedom, which is where they taught this thing called the Echo, which was really interesting. I was teaching, I teach a lot at the Esalen Institute in Big Sur, and the guides dictated a chunk of the Book of Freedom there and many of the books they've done, you know, 80 pages of and during a five-day workshop. And there at Esalen one day, they invited everybody out onto the lawn and they invited everybody to, to focus on the innate divinity of form of the body, of the hair and the fingernail and the breath, everything as of God. And the claiming of that, you could feel it. 
and came back. You'd, you'd do it for another, and you'd feel the energy come back in waves. And they say, basically, it's a very simple principle. What you bless, blesses you in return. What you damn, damns you back. It's that simple. But actually, it's tangible. You can begin to feel the energy of it when you work with this. I mean, speaking of that, I think it was Book of Freedom, the quote, and I love this, the moment you think that you are above another, you are below them. Yeah. And I love that, because we all are guilty of it. I mean, even those of us who are not judgmental at all, there's moments that you don't even realize it, but you're playing rank. Yeah. And I love that teaching, and I think it's so important as part of the true self of losing all judgments and those judgments to take what you were saying about the chair and deconstructing like the step further it also goes into thought because every thought we most of us have and our judgments and our, our preconceived notions based on things that we have assembled together mm -hmm. that are not yeah. really based on anything they're constructs from us well it's 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 this idea of collective history and what we give value to um you know i i, I was doing an interview a couple of days ago and you know the guy that was, was speaking to me said, well, you know, we all know that the pretty thing is better than the less pretty thing. And that's basically the answer was only because you've decided what pretty is. They say, you know, the diamond and the coal are of actually equal value, except you've decided that one has more value than the other. And this is a cultural dictate. And much of what we desire and think we should have is born out of that. What they're teaching here, I mean, it's, I guess it's mysticism. You know, I was raised sort of an atheist, so the fact that this is even part, something that I can talk about now is kind of nuts to me, let alone the channeling, um, which is really nuts. But <laughs> they teach what they call the kingdom. And when, what I was thinking when you were speaking is this, this New Testament thing that they often say is, you know, behold, I make all things new, which they say is the, is the realization that comes at the level of alignment of the true self. You know, the kingdom, as they describe it, is the realization of the divine in all manifestation. God as all things. And the one who aligns to that level of consciousness is the one who perceives it. But you can't align to that when you're judging, when you're fearing, when you're damning, when you're you know, deciding what should be. Because should, they say, is one of the great traps because our shoulds are all born in historical data of expectation. You can't have a should without referencing something, an idea of what you've been taught. So the idea of moving into the present moment, which is where they say the kingdom is realized, is the act of this and the untethering or the unattaching to what we've invested so much in seems to be the process. The good news, I have to say, is they say the small self or the personality self isn't who does this because the personality self can't. The personality self knows itself through history. All of the frames of reference, the eternal self knows itself beyond those things. So it's that level of alignment, whether you want to call it the God within or the Christ or whatever you want to call it, it doesn't really matter at all. That's the aspect that is the one who realizes and actually escorts us through this process of what they say is rearticulation. And they say everything we see in this room is the divine inarticulation. They say there's actually only one note in the entire universe that's being expressed in, in, in infinite, infinite ways. And the remembering of the one source is actually what begins this process of translation or transposing or rearticulation. Are you guys following? 
It is making sense. Okay. Okay. I mean, it is to me, and you're great, but just everyone's good? Okay. okay. Um, where does gut and intuition fall in all of this? Gut intuition? Gut and intuition. Well, intuition is knowing. Um, I think, you know, you can know in your gut, you can know in your heart. I don't think you're going to know in your head because that seems to be thinking. The guides teach, they say that realization and knowing are the same things. Your, your intuitive self is the aspect of the self that knows and knows without necessarily adhering to logic, you know, or to figuring it out. You know, the guides have said in their books, you know, the days of figuring it out are over because it's not the, the true self knows. They say the small self thinks and the true self knows. So often, you know, they'll invite people in workshops, and I can just do this because it takes a second. Um, think of a time in your life when you actually knew something. You knew it. I knew I was in love. I knew the relationship was over. I knew I got the job. I knew I was in trouble. It doesn't really matter. Anything that you really knew, and just do it for a sec. Feel what it was like. Remember what it was like to know. And then try comparing that to what you think. I think I know what I'm having for dinner tomorrow. I think I know what the traffic will be like getting home. I think I know how long I'm going to live. I think I know what my best friend is doing right now. And it's very different. It's because when you're thinking, there's always a question attached. And when you're in your knowing or your intuitive self, you know there is no question. And the guides say when you're in your knowing, you're actually obliged to act upon that, even if the information you're getting is to do absolutely nothing. You know, that's the call and that's the gift of your knowing. That's actually very clarifying because mm -hmm. sometimes in reading the books or the teachings, it feels like, like for instance, horrible situation, you're at a party or there's someone that you feel is shady. And, but then if you go through some of this work, it'd be like, okay, well, let me put this stuff on the side. I think they're shady because of this, which is a preconceived notion, which is what I've been taught. So let me let go of that. I'm putting myself above them. So let me let go of that. Next thing you know, you're in a shitty situation yeah. and let's say raped or something horrible. Mm -hmm. So that's what I meant by like, where does the intuition yeah. and gut play in versus kind of dismantling what we've known? Well, I, I, let me see if I can try to address it because there's nothing, you know, I live in Manhattan. I have a lock on my door. You know, it makes sense. But I don't have 10 locks on my door and I don't keep people out. And the guides say the action of fear is to claim more fear. And they say, look at every choice you made in fear and see what it got you. And you can do this too. You know, the last choice you made based in fear, what did it get you? Probably more fear because that's what it does. So if I know that there are piranhas in the pond, I'm being prudent by not getting into the pond. I'm not being frightened of the piranhas. I don't need to be there with the piranhas, nor do I need to go home with a person who's kind of shady when all of my radar is going off, that's not necessarily judgment. That means it's not good for me now. But what you're not doing then necessarily is damning the other person or making him or her wrong for being who he is. That's when we get screwed, you know? That's an interest, that's, I mean, you should talk a little more about it because that's actually, I think there was an example in one of the books too about kind of like if you're in a relationship with an alcoholic mm -hmm. and it's so easy to have those moments of being like, well, I'm healthier than they are, mm -hmm. which feels like a truth. Yeah. But it's in a weird way, again, it's pulling rank, and whether you realize it or not realizing it, and it's about everyone's specific journey. It's well, you may, you may be healthier than the other person, but what you don't do is you don't deny the other person his or her experience and how they're gonna learn. You know, that's, that's when you start pulling rank or investing in the person being a problem so you get to be the one who's right or better than. See, that's where 
that's where I think there are gradations. And also, if that's not a healthy relationship for you, you're allowed to leave it. You know, we're accountable to all of our choices, but the guides don't tell people what to do. They never tell I mean, they'd let me walk into traffic right now if I wanted to, and they, they really would. But if I would say, is this a good time for me to cross the street, they'd likely say, not wise, which actually still gives me the choice to act. And so the gift of, of this teaching, I hope, is that we start to align experientially to what happens when we're, we're not operating from fear at that level, you know, and then we can move into discernment. So back to what you were saying about, you know, Christ in all, yeah. um, and not taking away anyone's choices or mm -hmm. journeys or what it is that they're here to learn and do. So when you look at things, and I'm sure you get asked this all the time, to the extent of, let's say, someone who's murdered, mm -hmm. let's say, someone you love, A, the challenge, I think, is seeing the love and being equal in that sense, and that there's no good or bad attached to that. So let's start there, and then I have a follow-up question. I'll try, that. if I can, because they do talk a lot about this, and it's always when I get uncomfortable because I think I'm not going to say it right. And sometimes when I don't think I'm going to say it right, or if I don't say it right, they actually come through and correct it. So I should just say, in case that happens, when I channel, I whisper the words and repeat, and it looks kind of odd, but it's just how it comes through. So... If, let me see if I can remember what you said, because I did this digression. If, how do I love someone? How do I deal with someone who's murdered someone that I love? Well, the guides say whoever has done that is in denial of who they truly are and is acting in fear. Because the one, that's the only way this will actually happen. But our requirement then is to know who they are anyway. It doesn't mean you have to go out to dinner with them. It doesn't mean you have to like them. Like is a personality construct. That's what loving someone isn't, isn't necessarily adhering to perhaps what our ideas of love are. Loving someone would be knowing who they are anyway, beyond what they have done, beyond what they have chosen beyond what they're lear learning through and whatever this whole thing is. There's a meditation in the Book of Mastery, which was the first book of the last series, when they say, okay, so you're climbing up a mountain and there's this cave. And you go into this cave and in the cave is the one person you never want to see again as long as you live. And they often use examples, you know, the one who broke your heart, the one that hurt your child, the one that stole your money, you know, the one that did the thing. And they say that your job, and they say this in the book, your job is to escort that person out of the cave. And they say because you're the one that put them there in the darkness and they've actually called you to the darkness that you put them in. So the idea of taking them out of the cave is about releasing yourself from the darkness that you've called to yourself. The whole teaching of forgiveness, and it's not a new teaching, I mean, it's all over the place, but when they, that's not about making things okay. It's not saying it was okay, he killed the person that I love. It's not about that at all, but it is about liberating us from the attachment or the fear or the anger that will actually harm us when we do this. That's my understanding of this. I did a live stream the other day. I do them like every Wednesday nights, pretty much. And they lecture, and then they take questions. And at the end of this lecture, they said, 
something to the effect of if you really want this, you have to forgive everybody and everything, and you have to you can't put anything else before God. And I mean, I just shut down immediately. But what they mean by that is the things that we decide are outside of God or are more important than whether it be the career, the relationship, or the bank account, you know, or the illness, or whatever it is, whatever we put outside of that really becomes God. Do you know what it is? Idolatry. It's an old teaching. It's in the most of new thought stuff, but they teach it too. So I don't know. There's a, there's a channeling that's up online. I'll, I'll, I don't remember it well. I was channeling in Calgary, Alberta, one weekend. It was a weekend workshop. And Sunday morning for the second day, we woke up to the news of the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, which had happened the night before, and I had to go channel. And I'm thinking, I can't do this, you know. It's, it was horrific. And the guides delivered a lecture on how to deal with an atrocity right that morning. And it was actually so pertinent that we got it up online you know, within, you know, 24 hours because it was helpful. Um, but it's the biggest challenge I think we face because we live in a culture that needs or wants or thinks we need, we think we need to condemn, you know, and that guide say self-righteousness is always the small self, always, you know, and we don't grow through that. You know, it doesn't mean that we can't have our reactions and our responses. But I think we're always in alignment to the level of reality that we claim. And don't they also say, off of condemning, mm -hmm. that punishment or condemning or trying to teach someone, like when you're angry at something like that, part of not being able to forgive is also wanting them to get their comeuppance or to learn yeah. their lessons. So whatever, it's, it's the extreme of jail, which they have a whole philosophy on that. Mm -hmm. But one of the things they say is, and I'd love for you to expand on it, is that the learning can never be through anyone else, but they will learn, is what they're saying. They will learn, we promise you that they will learn, but they're never gonna learn from you trying to teach it to them or punish them or condemn them. That's not how it's gonna happen. I don't remember the teaching, to be honest. It was in Book of Freedom. I'll, I'll send it to you later. It's okay, you know, I, I, I mean, I remember, I remember the larger gestures and illustrations from the books, but occasionally I'll hear something and I'll say, was that the guides? Because I don't, I don't recall them. When I'm dictating, I take in about a third of the lecture myself. I'm kind of in the back seat of the car. <laughs> um, let me just see if, if I can, if there's anything to be said about people not learning through your judgment. Well, basically the idea is what you judge, you fear. Do you know? I mean, it's that simple. And who you judge, you're, you're acting in fear of. But I don't think that's the question you ask, so I can't answer it. I don't remember. Because my question off of that was going to be, how are they necessarily learning it? And is it necessarily in this lifetime? Well, I don't know. I mean, I was a rock and roll kid, you know, in 1987. You know, I was like a year out of Yale, and I was had platinum blonde Billy Idol hair and <laughs> leather, and, you know, I was a hard partier. And... Had I not been a hard partier and found myself, you know, sort of, I was working on it, I was a playwright, I was I, the, the Gopher Campus Motor Lodge in St. Paul, Minnesota, working with Minnesota Opera with, I couldn't find any drugs in St. Paul, it was a bad night, you know, for the rock and roll. <laughs> but honestly, if I hadn't been through that passage, 
I wouldn't have come to something other. Do you understand that? And so occasionally this idea that people need to be fixed or or, or made right, I sometimes question because I suspect we're all learning in different ways. And I think we come here to learn different things. I mean, the guides say things like, you know, the millionaire and the, the bum on the street are both here learning lessons of abundance. They're just learning them in different ways. And they don't make one higher than the other. It's we that do that. And that's, again, the cultural construct that we bring to things, you know. So it's all this is school. And we don't take anybody's lessons. One of the things that they often say, because when I'm not channeling, I work, I work as an empath. I sort of step into people and read them or the people in their lives. And, you know, when people are having relationship problems, the guides often say you have to forgive that person for not being who you wanted them to be. That's where we get stuck. You have to let them not be who you want or wanted them to be because that's where we, we, we shoot ourselves in the foot, you know, and then because we're deciding again what somebody should be and what should means. I mean, yeah. So, and about the teachings and learning, we are all here to learn different things, as yeah. you said. And we choose, you're saying we choose our route on how we're going to learn them. Well, what I understand is we come here with things that we choose to learn, and we create the opportunities to experience them through the lives, the families, the relationships that we have. And the guides are teaching something other, which is realization. And I think what they're talking about here is, I don't think we, I don't think we lose our lessons through this. I, perhaps they come in different ways. So life is school. What they're teaching is sort of moving beyond the limited construct of what that school has looked like, I think, to another way of having an experience of it. Yeah, because they do say something that you, we're giving you these tools where you can learn through this version. You're yeah. still going to learn, so you can either learn in the small self or you can learn in the true self. Well, when they teach the upper room now, they say, you know, there's no fear. You're not operating in fear at that level of consciousness. It doesn't exist. And if you want to learn through fear, you can, but you have to go back downstairs. And that's a choice that you make. You know, as and you know, it's they say it's not the best teacher in the world, but it's a teacher and you can learn through fear if you want to. But there are other ways that you can learn. So speaking of learning, what have you learned from the teachings? Well, you know, I used to hate this question, and maybe I still do, because I feel sometimes like I'm not the poster boy for the work. You know, I don't look like I should. I don't channel like people would like me to. It's not polite. And none of these teachings are... What is, wait, what does that mean? It's not It polite. means I'm whispering and repeating and oh. sometimes talking a mile a minute, and people are going, what the fuck is this? With reason, you know, and I understand that. If I were to be able to sit... You know, and just sort of say, you know, and then float. <laughs> I would probably be more popular, but I'm not, I don't think I'm ever going to be on a cruise ship doing this stuff. You know, somebody else. But it's may like the guides that. are teaching through you, literally. The guides as are doing it, they're teaching people do not judge. It's not yeah, as you think it's supposed I, to be. I get that. But, you know, my idea of who I was supposed to be has already been thrown out the window. 
you know, I taught at NYU for 25 years and really enjoyed it. I was a good teacher. And I was doing this work very quietly in my living room once a week for about 18 years. I had a group that met. And um, people would put 10 bucks in a basket, and I wasn't looking to be, to be known for this. I wasn't asking for, for a public life. And as I become more public with the work, I have to attend to my own discomfort and fear of others' judgment, and I'm much better at that than I actually used to be. The first time I was ever interviewed on some cable show, I could feel, because I'm empathic, I could feel all the criticism and judgment. And I went to bed, you know? And I said to the guides, if you want me to do this work, why are you letting this happen? And they say, well, you know, they said, well, you know, as long as you care what people think, it's going to be an issue. So it's my problem. Do you understand? So I have to face my stuff through this. I'm better with it than I was. The book that they just finished dictating, which was about a month and a half ago now, I think they finished. It was in a workshop in Berkeley. They dictated, uh, it's called Alchemy, which is the second book in this series. And it was the hardest book I ever experienced. It's the first book, because they really are talking about the dismantling of identity in that book in a way that they haven't. It's what happens when you take the mask off, the mask being how we want to be seen and want to be known and all of that investment. It's like if you take a, you know, if you pick a rock up out of the mud, the creepy crawlies are there, you know, you see them, you know, and they're, you know, they're scampering from the light. And that was basically the process, and I feel that I'm just coming through that on the other side, and already it's feeling different. I have to say it's feeling different, and all of the metaphors for the teachings that they've been giving us over the last few months, because it's an ongoing teaching, has all been, the idea of, you know, you're, you're, it's like going across an ocean from one shore to the other, and the storms are coming, and they're there, and there are times you just sort of have to strap yourself to the, to the mast and trust that you're being carried. So I've just been through that. I can't speak much to it. I, I had ability that was developed through this, and I've had probably more experience with phenomena than, than perhaps other people. I think part of what I'm able to offer is that, because I'm, I don't consider myself special, that means it's available. You understand this? It can be had, it can be known. And I take some of this for granted now, perhaps in a way that I shouldn't, you know, because it, it is, it's, it's interesting stuff. Am I a happier person than I was? Probably I am, but I'm also confronted by the uncomfortability of the teaching because I can't get away from it. You know, it's constantly coming through and I'm running the energy as it happens. So I live a completely different life than I did even four years ago. It's completely different. I don't go to faculty meetings anymore. I don't give grades anymore. I don't you know, walk home from NYU through Washington Square Park as I did for 25 years and I'm, I'm here with you all talking about something that for me personally is still something I may never really understand. And I get that, you know, I'm not a spiritual teacher, I'm not a guru, I don't want to be, that's not my thing at all. But I'm participatory to this teaching because it does 
come through, it's spoken through me, and consequently I feel a level of accountability to the work. You know, my name is on the covers even though I don't write the books. But, you know, what do I think of all this, and how has it changed me? I know for certain, I know for certain that there is more than we've been taught. Without question, I know that. And I know for certain that everyone in this room is far more extraordinary than they've ever been told. And I don't mean special, I mean extraordinary. Because you're all innately of God because you can't not be. And I'm very good at forgetting that. And I'm very good at self-judgment, you know. But I can look at you and know in my heart that you are of source because there's no way that you couldn't be. And if I can align to that on a daily basis, it's quite something. Sorry for the interruption, but it is that time again to talk about our next Dentox Live. These are getting bigger, so you've got to reserve your spot. They are so exciting, and you always get so much information about it. I'm really pumped about this next one because it's our very own Jason Moten. It's trans-spiritual, and we were talking about his transgender journey. We are going to dig into this. It's not just about being transgender. It's all about identity. What does that even mean in the spiritual world? How do these two interlink? What does it mean for anyone who's just looking inward and trying to figure out who they are? What does it mean when that gets met with certain expectations? We're going to dive deep. We're going to get into it. Reserve your spot. It's September 7th, Saturday at La Brea. See you there. Hey, we get a question all the time. How can I become a teacher? How can I learn more about meditation? I just want to know more. I want to go deeper. I want my practice to be stronger. Our teacher training program has been incredible. Now, look, if you want to be a teacher, this is perfect for you. But also, if you're just craving to have a stronger practice and understand more about everything that it means and signifies and where it comes from, this is the perfect program for you. We offer it in modules so that you can make it flexible if that's what you need for payment or schedule. We're here for you to make it work. Our next one is starting in September. It's with Heather Preet, Hillary Jackendoff, and Chandra Bardwatch. These teachers are incredible. They are senior teachers at the DEN. Don't miss this opportunity. Go to denteachertraining.com and sign up. All the teachings you've downloaded, which one was the hardest for you to process? What they're teaching now. Really, I'm getting finally what they're really teaching now. In the very first book, I Am the Word, in like the first five pages or something, there was this line and it said, you know, the Christ in man or humanity is an event that happens. And I thought at the time that meant, well, we get to be a little more spiritual, a little nicer to each other, and maybe float around a little bit and play, play with energy. And that's not what they were teaching. They're actually teaching, I'll say it, they're, t they're teaching the word made flesh. That's what they're teaching. They're teaching the divine in form and manifestation. And they're saying that this is what we come to and this is what we can do, you know? Now, when it was theoretical, I could accept it. And, you know, the challenge for me, now that they're really speaking very directly to the fact that consciousness impacts matter, and we're all of substance, which is all of one source, and everything can be renown in a higher way, I can still, if I stay in the theoretical, it's okay. If I go to the practicality of it, it's kind of mind-blowing. 
I mean, if this helps somebody understand, the guides say, you know, people talk about manifesting this, manifesting that, as if manifesting is this action that we have to undertake. And the guides actually say that everything is already, we're already manifesting all this stuff. You know, everything we see, the guides say, we are in agreement to. An agreement, they say, means vibrational accord. So it's like, I mean, it's like you know, I didn't cause the, cor the, you know, the war in Iraq, no. But because you know it, because it's part of your reality, that must mean that you're in vibrational accord to it. To understand this, it's not just you create your own reality. Collectively, the consciousness that we hold is also in manifestation. So once we realize that, we can actually change what we see through how we perceive it because the level of consciousness we bring to anything is actually informing it. That goes back to what you bless blesses you in return, what you damn damns you back. There's also a quote, your energetic alignment has called your whole life to you, mm -hmm. which I love, which is what you're saying. Yeah. You don't realize it. And I think it's so important, especially for this audience and what we do at the Den, to talk about that a little bit, which is, you know, we always talk about the power of thought, but this mm -hmm. takes it even further, where it's like you, everything you're vibrating, you are going to create. So your entire, and jump in whenever you want, because I'm sure you'll say it way better than I do, but anything that you are even thinking or feeling or saying about yourself, you will create the world around you to match it. Mm -hmm. And so it's not even so much think positively and you'll be happy. It's like whatever you are thinking, you are literally manifesting that world. So if you are that worrier, the shit's gonna come up that makes you worry. It just will. Mm -hmm. If you are someone who says, I always fail, I'm not good enough, well, you know what, you're gonna keep failing and you're not gonna be good enough because that is the vibrational frequency you're putting out. Mm -hmm. That blew my mind because, mm -hmm. again, it took general concepts I feel like we've all played with and we all talk about mm -hmm. and pushed it even further. Yeah. In the very first book, there's this thing where they, they say, they say Whistler, you know, Whistler's mother is on the paintings on the wall and it's an identity framed in consciousness. And I didn't know what they were talking about until two books later. And there was this book called The Book of Knowing and Worth and they unpack the teaching of frames there. And they say what a frame is, is a construct of identity and we all have them. And the purpose of the frame is to call to itself, to fill itself with its idea. So for example, the example we use sometimes is, you know, I always date jerks, right? So the person who always date jerks is actually calling that into manifestation and gets to pat him or herself on the back every time she does another. Do <laughs> you understand that? Because we're always being made right by the frame. So the purpose of the frame is to fill itself with what it says it is. And what they're doing is they're opening the frame you know, beyond the scope of what the small self would create. And those frames are generally created through cultural agreement, through history, and, you know, and what's happened to us. And this is where I'm, you know, guilty of, you know, I'm, the guides make such a point of, you know, the fact that we're not our history, you know, and I still self-identify through, you know, the kid that was bullied in junior high school or those things that happened to me. And as long as I want to do that, I can. But the guides say, you know, you can't be a victim and a master at the same time. You really can't do them both. So I can rely on the other and continue to call those experiences to me or begin to be willing to move beyond that, to move beyond the idea of who I should be based on how I've thought I've been, if that makes any sense. 
from when you started getting the downloads, when do you feel like you actually started practically implementing them into your life when you could? Well, some of them I've been doing for a long time, you know, but I don't, you know, it's interesting. You know, I in some ways have been reluctant to the material primarily because it comes through me. And so if any of you here were channeling a book, I could read the book and go, wow, I really agree with that. Let's try this. You know, I've still got this stuff going, you know, who the hell am I and why is this happening? Now, every time I, it's very funny because in the last four months, I had a difficult passage and I relied on the work of the guides in very, very direct ways. And I have to say, it seems to work, you know? But there are certain things that you can do at any time, which is witness the divine in who you see and realize that it has to be there even when it doesn't appear as you would have it look. You know, there are things that we can do practically. The attunements which they bring, I do work with. And the guides say, you know, we're all radios. We're always in broadcast. And the broadcast that we hold is our consciousness. And that's what's informing our experience of reality. And so the attunements, they say, are to support us in playing the higher stations, the higher broadcast that's always been there, but we've been told we don't have access to. You see, and we do. And that's the, the lie that sort of we're moving beyond. So would they say, what comes first or is it at the same time? What off of what you're saying? Is it raised your vibrational level through attunements or whatever else, maybe meditation, yoga, and I'd be curious to know their thoughts on that. Or is it start making the conscious choices of, you know, see Christ in all, which one begets the other? I don't know if I know the answer to that. I mean, I think it is choice, and I do think we have will, and you know how we work with will is part of this. So the choice to surrender or the choice to let go is, is still a choice, and where that lands you might be something else. So I'm going I'm to go to the guides and see what they want to talk about, you know, what what happens, we'd like to answer this. Actually saying we would like to answer this is an interesting question when it's called forth. When one is called forth level of soul, at a level of soul, one claims an idea, one claims an idea and a potential and a potential that can be known, that can be known or realized or realized in the life one lives, in the life one lives. How one gets there, how one gets there is actually unimportant, is actually unimportant. Whether we teach through, whether we teach, or you're taught by the divine self, or you are taught by the divine self, it is the truth you are, that is the truth of who you are, how you claim this, how you claim this will put you on a passage, will put you on a passage, and in fact, you will call to yourselves, and in fact, you will call to yourselves the requirements of the passage, the requirements of the passage, be it the things you suggest, be it the things you suggest, or something other, or something other, the one that says, I'm ready, the one that says, I am ready to be renowned, to be renowned, is put on a course, is put on a course, and the obligation of course, and the obligation of the course is realization, is realization, the true self that is at the core of all of you. The true self that is at the core of all of you, at the core of all of you, is seeking recognition, is seeking recognition. It will come in the way that it can. It will come in the way that it can, individually and collectively, individually and collectively. If you're called to act, if you are called to act, if you find yourself in a class, if you find yourself in a class that propels you forward, that propels you forward, you will know this is so. You will know this is so. If you 
encounter our teachings. If you encounter our teachings and are blessed by them and are blessed by them, they may also lead you. They may also lead you. The individual knows. The individual knows a level of recognition at a level of recognition when the path has fruition, when the path has fruition, fruition or benefit or benefit attached to it, attached to it. And this you must trust. And this you must trust, period. Did you guys get all that? It catches how it comes. No, it was amazing. Right. And it was very polite. polite? <laughs> I said it was very polite because you said you were impolite before. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm impolite. They're not impolite. There's <laughs> a difference. Um, can I ask one more question to the guides or you might have the answer? Do they have opinions on how food or drinking also comes into that mix? I think it's individual. I mean, this is what I've heard. I've never heard them say, don't eat meat. You know, but they have said you come to a place where you probably won't want it. You know, that may just happen organically. I mean, the idea of, of putting in a practice uh, or a discipline to, to attain something is not something that I've heard them speak about a lot. It's not saying that they would disagree with it. I mean, they talk about a lot of stuff when asked, um, but they don't put it in the books unless they're asked. People now ask things about you know, plant medicine, and the guides respond to it in ways that I find interesting. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything that they've talked about in terms of practice, and there, in a few of the books, there are specific meditations to, to support you in your alignment to begin the day, you know, and th that's about as far as they go. But they really don't tell us what to do. They'll tell us sometimes what the ramifications of things might be, but again, we get to choose. So in my case, you know, my abilities kicked in when I stopped with substances. That's how it happened for me. I started to open up psychically, and I was surprised. And that may not be the, the need for somebody else, you know, at all. Yeah, you mentioned something like you stopped smoke, even just smoking Yeah, I was a four-pack-a-day right? guy, you know, believe it or not, until about now it must be it was 2008 when I stopped, and I was doing a group in my apartment. I used to channel and then smoke out the window, you know. I mean, I was not sh and I was a very defiant smoker. I really liked it. And, but I was, I was also shutting down my central nervous system effectively, which is something that I wanted to do because I was sensitive. I didn't know I was doing it until I stopped, and everything opened up wide. But one night they said, we want to keep working through you, and we, we, we need you to stop if that's going to happen. And I actually stopped the next day, which was quite something, you know. And, um, and I haven't smoked since. And I, I, I thought I would smoke till, till my death, but I probably would have died much sooner <laughs> had I not. Um, but when I stopped, that's when the guides began lecturing through me. I was hearing them, but I was hearing fragments and pieces and small instruction. And after I quit, people said, wow, that was really long, and you should record that, and that was really beautiful. I just knew I was talking more. Um, but it was shortly thereafter that they began with the books. So that was a requirement for me. So your guides, um, you refer to them as Melchizedek? Then they say in the Book of Mastery, if you want to call us something, you can call us this. And it's the name that I've been given prior. The priest was the first name I heard, and Melchizedek is a priesthood. Um, and that's how I understand it. So, 
but they call themselves guides and teachers. The reason they're called the guides is my ex. When my ex found out that I could do this, he used to say, ask the guides this, ask the guides that. So that's why they're called the guides. There's no other reason for that. It's convenience. I love that. And they don't object. It's like fine with them. You know? I don't think I could care less. Do you, you refer to them as they? Is this multiple voices? Is it, what, why they? It's a collective. They use a we. You know, I, my clairvoyance my, with my eyes open is limited to sort of blobs of light and orbs and things that flash around people. With my eyes closed, I have other, other abilities. I'm mostly a clairaudient and a clairsentient, but I have friends that come to my workshops or other mediums come, and they see them all, you know, and describe them, and it's quite interesting to me. The, the primary guide that I work with, the, the cadence and the, vo the, the word choices are, are fairly identical with all of them. The books all feel like they were written in one voice. The Book of Truth actually was the only book that felt like it was dictated in a somewhat singular voice. And, there was a diff and it was different, and it was surprising to me because this, book, this guide used the word, it was the first time I started using the word dears, which is a word I actually hate. And they'd say, we're here for you, dears. I'm going, oh, no, not a whole book with dears. And it was a whole book with dears. But it was an extraordinarily eloquent, smooth dictation, like the book was read and somebody was sitting right beside me speaking it very slowly and carefully. Very often the dictation comes very quickly and very, 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 you know, it's, it's challenging. Sometimes there's an accent, sometimes there's not. So in that regard, have any of them of the collective done time in, as a human? They say some of us have been informed and some of us have not. That's about where they leave it. You because know. it is interesting if they're coming in with different voices, and I know some. At one point, I thought I saw her like "damned" or something like some hard, like harsher words you wouldn't necessarily expect. Yeah, not often, but it's happened, you yeah. know. And I think this stuff happens. I think it happens for illustration more than anything else. I mean, I think that they know how to teach. I was doing um, a workshop once. This was uh, about four years ago now, at um, a center in in, in, the, in San Francisco, um, which was a retired. I think monastery or convent that was now an artist collective. And the guides got really irate at a certain point halfway through, and they say, we want to really work with you here, but there is one thing that's really standing in the way for, for many of you, and it was the idea of original sin. And they were outraged at the whole concept of original sin. And I don't remember the lecture well, but it turned out in that group, three quarters of them had been raised Catholic and there was a nun. You know, it was a, it was a Catholic group that showed up that day and so they brought a teaching through, I suppose, for them. But do they really get angry? That I don't know. You know, I, the only thing that I've heard them get angry about really is about how we treat one another. That seems to be the one thing that is is, is beyond them, well, not beyond them, but you know, I've, I've heard them speak to our cruelty to our brothers. You know, I've, I've heard them in workshops, they've, they've done that. But generally, I don't know if they're just good orators or, you know, they're, they're having an emotional response. I kind of hope they're past some of that. And there's, I mean, you know, there's other people who channel other enlightened beings like Ramtha and do, 
like, I mean, these are dumb questions, but I'm sure some people are thinking them too. Like, do they know each other? Like, what's happening over there? <laughs> I really don't know. You know, I, I don't know. And I don't, I read, ha I read half a Seth book when I was a grad student, um, which somebody must have given me. And I think I was actually affected by it in a significant way, but I didn't finish it. And I, I have read maybe one other channel, you know, in all the years since. So I don't know, and the guides don't speak to others, and I'm actually glad that they don't. Occasionally people will come to me and they'll say, what are your guides' opinion on such and such as work? And they, they won't go, they don't go there. You know, it's not appropriate, but I they think. Know or aware, you don't even know that. I don't think it's, I don't, th I don't think they necessarily operate like we do, like I don't know that it's a cocktail party. <laughs> I really don't think so, I, but it might be, you know? <laughs> I, when I was, it's funny, I never think about this, but when I was about thir 31 or so, I, was, I started a form of energy healing with this lady um, who was no longer here, who was pretty astonishing, and she was, had been one of the first 13 Reiki masters in the US and was doing her own thing, you know? And this was back in the day when you had to put your dowry down to, to become a master, you know, it was a big, big thing. And I remember, and I was terrified of her, truthfully, because, you know, I had just couldn't believe that these things could happen that I experienced when I was in her presence. And she was an old Italian lady, Irish, she was Irish, actually, she married an Italian. But I remember having this dream one night that I crashed a party that she was at. You know, and it was like, it was funny. The, I mean, the, the, the symbology was great. It was like London Bridge, you know, it's like up there. You had to, I climbed up the outside, I was 30, I climbed up the outside of the bridge and there, there she was in this room and there was like, I, I recognized like the Dalai Lama and a few other sort of iconographic, but I crashed the party like a kid and I was like hiding behind a couch, <laughs> eavesdropping, waiting to get thrown out. And she looked over her shoulder, she saw I was there, she sort of rolled her eyes and went back to the conversation. But in retrospect, I was sort of there anyway. Do you know what I mean? And it felt like that. But I think that was my stuff playing out. I don't know. The only thing the guides have come out against, and they come out against this readily, is people teaching fear. And whenever I see or hear of a channel who's teaching fear, or teaching polarity, or focusing on what I consider to be division. I'm cautious about it, because I do believe that the guides are right. The action of fear is to claim more fear, and it's not that people don't do stupid things, or that people don't act in, in, in hard ways. But I, don't, I tend to think that that's lower level stuff, and that's how I understand it from them as well. So on polarity, because mm -hmm. they do say it's like there's no good, there's no evil, there's no bad. It's is that true in the universe, like everywhere? Because I mean, look, it is so ingrained in us. It's in yeah. nature. It's in the equations. It's it's. They talk about. They don't talk about good and evil. They talk. I mean, they've talked about evil. I think maybe a couple of times in the teachings. I don't remember what they. What I think in said. freedom they even mentioned sorcery. Like you could use these. Well, they talk about sorcery, which is conjuring for your own sort of small self's will, you know what I mean? To get the needs of the small self met. And they say, that's not this teaching. It's another teaching, but that's not what the guides teach. They talk about everything existing in a scale of high and low. Do you understand? As in an octave. 
and there's low vibration and, and high vibration. Um, yes, do this. I just asked if I can do this. I mean, can I show people something? And I can try to do it. I need my hands. So I may have to put the mic down at a certain point. But so the guides teach this thing called the mudra of creation, right? And they say we're always creating. And this is the mudra of creation. It's a very simple gesture. It's hand over hand. And so just feel what it's like to do this. I haven't attuned anybody, so I don't know how this will play. I'm getting it'll play. So, so let's just, just, we're always claiming. So let's just claim, just say this, I have a right to be here. I have a right to be here. And feel, where you're, feel how your arms feel. Now say this, I'm the only one that has the right to be here. I'm the only one that has the right to be here. If you feel your arms getting heavy, say yes. Yes. It's a low claim. Do you understand this? Try this one. Everybody has the right to be. Everybody has the right to be. You feel your arms getting lighter, yeah. say it. Yeah. See, that's a high claim. So we we're always claiming high, low, and in between is what they've said from any of the books. I didn't really understand it until they started illustrating it this way. So a low, we can have a low claim, and we can call it a fear-based claim, a claim in separation. And I think there's certainly extremes of those things. You know, war is an act of fear. There's no way around it. And usually an act of greed, which is also fear, if you look at that, because greed is a, you know, greed is a belief in lack, which is a claim of separation. And so what they're teaching now is moving beyond separation. That's really, it's really that simple. And to do that, we have to move to the higher where the separation isn't present. Where does like fighting even I know what some of the answer is going to be while I'm asking it, <laughs> but like where does kind of like fighting for justice or fighting for humanity, and I know just by me saying that is putting a right or wrong onto well, it. I, I think the idea of fighting just maybe acting on behalf of humanity and acting on behalf of justice is a different way. Fighting implies conflict and it also requires resistance. Do you understand that? Acting on behalf of does not require resistance. Do you understand that? You see, you're acting on behalf of good. You're not fighting evil. Do you understand? You see, if you're going to fight evil, you have to put yourself at that level of vibrational accord with the evil. And the guides say, you know, here's the example. We've always had war, so we expect it, right? Because we've always known it, we expect to, to war, and we continue, we're going to continue to claim it until we can align to the level of consciousness where war doesn't exist, you understand the difference? And that's lifting beyond the problem. So, you know, I, I'll try to use this example. I mean, I was a smoker for many, many years. I'm not a smoker anymore, nor do I want a cigarette. It doesn't exist for me at that level. Do you understand that? It's no longer present and something that I'm fighting. So if I want to fight something, I'm at that level of, of accord. If I want to lift above it, I can actually lift the thing that I could. I'm gonna use, I was going to use the word want to change, but that would be the wrong language for it. I was, they're saying lift what I see to its true nature, which is of God. Which is of God. When, you witness, when you witness something as of God, as of God is in fact renowned, it is in fact renowned, rearticulated, rearticulated, and manifested accordingly, and manifested accordingly, period. So that's a different way. Do you understand that? Okay. Before we wrap up, I have one crazy question. It might be a selfish question, but I think people can relate to it. Mm -hmm. Because in 
in reading a lot of this and taking a lot of the teachings in, look, we're disassembling everything, which is great and very freeing, hence your book of freedom. Um, but it is, again, taking the good and the bad out of it, the judgment, what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, literally, there's sometimes examples of who cares if there's a sign that says don't walk on the grass. Like, we're just so trained to do things. What is the job of parenting? Well, I, my, my expectation is it's about not teaching in fear. But teaching somebody healthy boundaries is loving. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, that's a loving thing. So, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I'd have to ask them. They're saying define healthy parenting. That's not the question we'll answer. That's not the question we will answer. Good parenting, perhaps. Good parenting, perhaps, but healthy as you describe it. But healthy as you describe it is more than language, is more than language of the day, of the day. To be a good parent, to be a good parent or a productive parent or a productive parent, is not your child is, is to know who your child truly is. Beyond what he presents, beyond what he or she presents as, and love them as they are, and love of them as they are, regardless of what they do, regardless of what they do. You may support them in correcting behavior. You may support them in correcting behavior because that is indeed your job. Because that is indeed your job as one who delivers a child in the world, as one who delivers a child into the world who needs to learn, who needs to learn. Do not teach them in fear. Do not teach them in fear. When you teach in fear, when you teach in fear, you have frightened children. You have frightened children. Frightened children grow old. Frightened children go old in fear in fear and spread the fear and spread the fear wherever they go wherever they go teach them to be strong teach them to be strong in the value of others in the value of others it's right to be in everyone's right to be then indeed they will know their own then indeed they will know their own period in the same period that's really beautiful All right. that was really beautiful thank you mm -hmm. um, let's do your four use before we get to your personal practice All right. So let me get to it. So we're going to do kind of like a rapid fire, just All a right. few quick questions, and then I'm going to ask for one last question. So for you, Paul, salt or sweet? Salt. When triggered, do you explode or do you withdraw? I withdraw. Mountains or beaches? Beaches. Okay, and can the guides or you give us one piece of life advice? Don't be afraid. That's great. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. I mean, isn't he amazing? And wasn't these teachings amazing? Thank you. So before we do the personal practice and then um, the Q&A, just a few reminders. Again, he will be selling his books and signing in Den 1. We will be hanging out outside in the lobby. He also is doing workshops tomorrow at the Lowe's, um, Saturday and Sunday, correct, mm -hmm. all weekend. And you should go, if you want to know more about the new book that's coming out, it's beyondthenobook.com. And you also have information, I think, that was on your seats that if you want to get to his live stream. So there's a lot of information to grab from him. Mm -hmm. And um, you guys are all amazing. So let's get to your personal practice, which is going to be a channeled attunement. Yeah, I'm going to go to the guides for this. So they're going to work with you. Let them do what they do. But they like to attune people. So that's what I said I would offer in an assumption that they would, yes, I get yes. So um, I like to do this with a little prayer protection. I just do this not because there's anything to be frightened of, but because it sets a, a common field, okay? So um, sit back, close your eyes, please. Yes, please. Very, 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 very softly, if you would, repeat after me. The light of God surrounds us. 
the love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. And the Spirit of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is. So be it. Silently set the intention that you're only open and receptive to those energies and that information which are for your highest good and the perfect amounts needed for your healing and evolution at this time. Now when you ask questions about who and what you are, about who and what you are, your identity, you rely upon an identity that's been claimed for you that has been claimed for you through the collective, through the collective. When we teach you who you truly are, when we teach you who you truly are, the divine self as you, the divine self as you, we attune you to it, we attune you to it, so you may in fact know, so you may in fact know and then realize, and then realize the body of the being, the body of the being, you are truly being, you are truly being in a higher note, in a higher note, a higher expression, a higher expression. When we say these words to you, when we say these words to you, we know who you are in truth. We know who you are in truth. We know what you are in truth. We know what you are in truth. We know how you serve in truth. We know how you serve in truth. We're not self-identity. We are not speaking to the small self's identity, but to yourself as you, but to the true self as you, who in fact does know, who in fact does know when you claim these words. When you claim these words, you are re-identifying the self. You are re-identifying the self beyond the small self structure, beyond the small self structure. You may say these words after us. You may say these words after us. I am word through my body. I am word through my body. Word, I am word. I am word through my vibration. Word, I am word. I am word through my knowing of myself. Word, I am word. I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I am free, I am free, I am free. The claim of the true self who knows who she is, who knows who she is, identity, identity, what he is form, what he is form at expression and expression, how one serves, how one serves is aligned to through tone, is aligned to through tone, the teaching we offer you. The teaching we offer you by attunement, by attunement is in recognition, is in recognition of your true nature, of your true nature, the true self as you. The true self as you knows who he is, knows who he is, always knows, always knows, and can only know, and can only know the fear-based self. The fear-based self, the small self-structure, the small self-structure seeks to find herself, seeks to find herself through the mirror she's inherited, through the mirror she's inherited, that I was claimed for her, the identity that was claimed for her. When you claim this for another, when you claim this for another, your claim is always true, you are claiming what is always true. Would you stand as one? Would you stand as one? Please, please, stand up if you would. Stand up if you're able. I know you've been sinning. And if you would, yes, please. 
face the person next to you. And if there's two, two, just everybody face somebody. You can face two people if you need to, okay? Or just face somebody. And just know who's a one and who's a two. It really doesn't matter, okay? All right. As long as you have somebody to look at and know who's a one and who's a two, ones, look at the twos, please. Ones, look at the twos. Say this if you would. I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I am free, I am free, I am free. Ones to the twos, please. I know who you are in truth. I know what you are in truth. I know how you serve in truth. You are free, you are free, you are free. Okay, twos, if you can feel the energy, just say yes, let them know. Choose to the ones. I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I am free. I am free. I am free. And to the ones, please. I know who you are in truth. I know what you are in truth. I know how you serve in truth. You are free, you are free, you are free. Ones, if you feel this, say yes. Ones and the twos together. I am word through the one I see before me. Word, I am word. If you feel the energy, just say yes. I am word through each one present. Word, I am word. I am word through the room. Word, I am word. They're saying blessings to each of you. Thank you for presence. They're saying thank you for your presence. Okay, you can sit. Thank you. It's powerful stuff. Yeah. Can Let's I just ask, a, did okay. you feel the energy? Did be, yes. Good. Okay, good. For sure. I wasn't even facing anyone directly, and I could feel it. It yeah. was so beautiful. So thank you for that. Yeah. Let's give them a big round of applause. Thank you so much. Again, we will do the Q&A, but for those listening at home and watching at home, thank you. Please subscribe, and you guys, thank you for being here. And Huge thanks to you. I mean, I had a million more questions, but I want to get to their questions. But just sure. thank you for being so open and for mm -hmm. channeling and taking the time. And like mm -hmm. you said, being this vessel that's helping all of us. So thank we appreciate you. it. Huh? Oh, okay. Game plan. For all you know, he will be selling and signing books, and it'll be in Den 1, right off of the lobby. And in the lobby, we'll always have, like, we always do some bites and drinks, so please hang out and talk. And also, please, I'm telling you, get some books because the vi these attunements are in there and they do vibrate. So these books operate on two levels. It's not just the knowledge that you are reading and you are 
you know, taking in that way, which is amazing, but you are getting vibrational knowledge and you are being raised just by reading it as well. So it, it, they are incredible. So that's happening and we are going to do a Q&A now as yeah. well. And I just want to add one thing. If you are interested in the workshop this weekend, Dustin's there. He works with me. Just give a wave. You can talk to Dustin. He can give you the information. Okay. It's at, at the Lowe's. No, Hollywood. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's 10 to 4, uh, <laughs> Saturday and Sunday. And I don't remember what it costs, but Dustin has all that stuff, and he can talk to you after. And, um, yeah, the guides are working with the energy, and they're working with people and taking personal questions there, as well as, you know, lecturing on whatever they're going to lecture on. So it's, it's quite... The energy gets very, very high. Amazing. Thank you. And we'll make sure you're back here, too, because this has been an incredible experience. So let's start with our Q&A. Who has... I, there, well, there we go. Um, let me hand it off. We'll start, we'll start early here, and then we'll move. Don't Thank worry. Thank you. Hi, Paul. Hi. I'm Roseanne, and I was listening to one of your recordings in, like, the student pages, mm -hmm. and I went into that theta state, and I saw a big wave and I'm not sure if it was me kind of like on a surfboard and I rolled up into a ball and I've been getting a lot of water and I do channel as well mm -hmm. but this I would like confirmation from the guides maybe about what that I mean I, I mean what uh, they probably won't give it to you I can tune okay. into you and see if I can hear anything from great. you but you're just getting images of what are you getting with water a lot of big waves. Big waves is present now. Well, they're saying it's present now. You're all getting waves. You're all getting waves. You're all having, you're all having to integrate them, and I'm very comfortable. And none of it's very comfortable, if you haven't noticed. If you haven't noticed, the divine <laughs> self as you, the divine self as you is seeking recognition, is seeking recognition, and very often how it comes, and very often how it comes, we cannot control it, is when you cannot control the wave. You're integrating energy. You are integrating energy, and having to release the ideas you felt, and having to release the ideas you've held about who and what you are about who and what you are and what the world's supposed to be and what the world is supposed to be. This is actually a requirement. This is actually a requirement. It benefits you highly. It benefits you highly. You're not negating who you are. You are not negating who you are. You're recovering it. You are recovering it in the energy you feel and the energy you feel that you are indeed processing, that you are indeed processing, you have to acclimate to. You have to acclimate to. This happens in stages. This happens in stages. It's happening to all. It is happening to all. Very little. Very little. Very little as comfortable is comfortable to the personality self, to the personality self who seeks to replicate the known, who seeks to replicate the known to feel secure, to feel secure, period. And they're saying period. Thank you. Uh -huh. Amazing. Let's go to who's right next to you, and then we'll move back, I promise. Hi. Hi, my name's Natalie. I Hi. had a question. I'm curious about what your opinion or the guide's opinion is on hallucinations and how... It, I know we tend to stigmatize that and see that as illness, but is there, is there wisdom there, or could that be channeling of some sort that's maybe not funneled in, in like, as as you as you do? Yeah, it? I think so. I mean, you know, I I wrote a letter to Dear Abby when I was seven years, eight years old, because somebody wrote some letter to Dear Abby that they were seeing things, and I don't know where I got this. I said, well, maybe she really is seeing things. You know, and um, I actually got a letter back, like, you know, from Dear I was very happy, very happy child. So, but the guides haven't spoken to hallucination ever, you know. I mean, they've spoken about vision, I suppose. I'll, I'll ask. 
Um, hallucination is conjuring. Hallucination is conjuring. You're speaking not there. You are speaking to something that's not there when you have a vision. When you have a vision, you're actually operating. You're actually operating in an escalated state when you perceive through vision. When you perceive through vision, you're actually seeing what is there. You're actually seeing what is there in the higher octave, in the higher octave. A hallucination, a hallucination by nature of its nature, by nature of its nature must be a fabrication, must be a fabrication. Do you understand this? Do you understand this? If you're hallucinating, if you are hallucinating, it is not so. It is not so. However, a vision, however, a vision would be rather different, would be rather different because it is not hallucinatory, because it is not hallucinatory. It's breaking of a veil. It is a breaking of a veil to what exists beyond it, to what exists beyond it, period, period, period. Okay. I think that was semantics, truthfully. <laughs> I think if it's a hallucination, it's got, you're, by nature, they're saying it's, it isn't so. Which, you know, I mean, I've, you know, I read at times for people, um, I mean, I read for a lot of people, but, uh, you know, I've stepped into people whose parents or siblings were schizophrenic. And it's a very challenging experience to feel that because when I, when I read, I sort of step in and become the other person. But I have to say there's a fine line, it seems, at times between a mystical experience and, and something other, you know. I also read for people at times who've done a whole lot of hallucinogens and they're not in their body. You know, they're still floating out there someplace and their job is to become grounded. So the teachers, you know, that work through me are pretty clear on, you know, head in the clouds, feet in the ground, being of the world, you know, in the world but not of it, that stuff. But it's a practical teaching. So, but they haven't talked about hallucinations. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. I have, uh, my name is Sabrina, nice to meet you. Um, I have crazy dreams, and don't worry, I will spare you all a description of one mm -hmm. of my dreams. But um, I'm wondering what the guides have to say about the dream state, what is our consciousness doing there? Well, you know, Can they've it talked about it a little bit. It's not, it's sort of not their stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's just not what they talk about, and it's not necessarily the highest stuff they can talk about. I mean, it's where we process, it's nothing new, it's where we process information, we have an experience of moving beyond linear time, which is real. But you know, in my opinion, some dreams are astral, which is your, you know, having other experiences in the astral plane, and sometimes it's just your brain firing off stuff. That's how I see it. Let me see if they want to address dreams, dreams are, dreams are opportunities to learn from another perspective, from another perspective beyond the codification form, beyond the codification of form, beyond ascription to time, beyond ascription to time. In fact, the liberation of a dream state, in fact, the liberation of a dream state is reminds you of more than a body, is what reminds you that you're more than a body. And in fact, you are not bound, and in fact, you are not bound by the density of the material realm, by the density of the material realm as you lift in vibration. As you lift in vibration, your experience manifest world, your experience of the manifest world becomes less dense, becomes less dense. In fact, fluidity, and in fact, you experience fluidity. But because you have a body, but because you have a body, there is a level of agreement. There is a level of agreement, a vibrational accord, a vibrational accord that you can hold while maintaining form, that you can hold while maintaining form. Dreams are the opportunity. Dreams are the opportunity expressed beyond even that to express beyond even that period, and they're saying period. Okay, thanks. Oh, hi, thank you so much for being here. 
Um, yeah, it feels like right now this um, infinite moment eternal now is showing up as, or what's being offered is like pure flow of grace mm -hmm. of like the highest order um, beyond what I can say in words. Um, and, uh, and it also feels like almost like a giant tidal wave moving through the mind and everything that it touches is like blooming, like perfect sublime, like new mm -hmm. creation, like mm -hmm. living creations. But my question is about the kingdom and uh, the one great tone that the source is omnipresencing us mm -hmm. and lesser, not lesser tones to judge them, but like maybe subtones or overtones or other, like the teaching place no other gods before the one mm -hmm. secondless source that is and can only ever be. Um, is it, it feels like we will never be totally fulfilled or feel absolutely, um, yeah, I guess fulfilled unless we are in a t absolute attunement with the one one tone, if there are any other tones, regardless of how... Everything is one tone. Everything is one tone. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. Even the lowest vibration, even the lowest vibration is of God, is of God. The realization of that, the realization of that is what lifts the tone of that, is what lifts the tone of that experientially. Experientially, if you're seeking to fix things, if you are seeking to fix things to become embodied, to become embodied, you have very hard work before you. You have very hard work before you. It is a realization. It is a teaching of real realization, not fixing, not fixing. To fix is to repair. To fix is to repair, to re-know. To re-know is to be in agreement, is to be in agreement to what is in truth, to what is in truth, and in fact has always been, and in fact has always been beyond what you would claim it as, beyond what you would claim it as, as the small self, as the small self, period, period, period. That's perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. Let's go back there. Hi, Hi. thank you. Um, so my question is, you are speaking about the concept of how we should never learn through fear. and That's not what they said, no. Oh, no, it's sorry, you said that you can learn through fear, yeah. it's not the best teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, then I feel like maybe that answers my question, because I feel like I... Because <laughs> yeah. I... Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's just not the best teacher. So you can stick. You can learn. You can learn not to not to burn yourself through putting your hand in the fire. Do you uh -huh. know? But there's other ways to learn that it's not the best thing to do. So you can choose in some ways, and there's nothing wrong with learning that way. But I mean, I can learn. I mean, you know, I can learn what happens. I'm going to say this. Uh, I know what I was going to say. But they, what some, like, for example, they say, you know, there's never been a lie told that wasn't told in fear, ever. Like, every lie told is actually an act of fear. So, you know, I can learn through having those experiences if I want to, um, but I can learn in other ways. Do you think that it's a part of our human nature to not really understand the light without the dark? Because I feel like growing up, I've had so much darkness that now I always say, I am who I am because of and in spite of, and I feel like that's how I've found that light. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's been my experience too. I mean, somebody once said to me when I was in my 20s and having a very rough time, they said, you know, as dark as you've been, that's as much light as you can hold. And that was enormously helpful for me at the time. But I think identifying as and through that darkness can also be a trap. I mean, I was a writer, playwright, and I thought you had to suffer for your art. It's a terrible, I mean, there's enough, there's enough pain in life. Don't go looking for it, you know? Okay, thank you. All right. Hi, I'm, 
I know this maybe isn't the correct place to address this, but I feel somehow that everybody's sort of thinking about the current state of our, I have to say, country mm -hmm. right now and the powers that be who are in command of our country right now. And as much as personally I try and say that, you know, how do we get the collective consciousness on this path? Because I find it very challenging personally. And I know Michelle Obama maybe had something when she said, when, you know, talking about vibrations almost, mm -hmm. you know, when go they high. go low, we yeah. go high, which actually makes sense yeah. uh, parallel to what you said. So, um, but on a daily basis, I'm trying to still respect other people's mm -hmm. opinions, but I, I can't. I mean, they don't it's talk hard. that <laughs> much directly about this stuff. They have, you know, I, there was a, an interview that I did with this guy. J.P. Sears a, a little while ago, and he asked very directly about this, and I didn't think the guides would answer, and they did. And it was an interesting answer, and I, somebody just sent it to me recently, so I was like looking at it. But they said, you know, this is basically, this has always been there, but it's now being seen, you know? I mean, the, the, the level of polarity, you know, and bigotry and all of these things, it's been there. We've just been covering it up. And they said, what's happened is, you know, the bedspread's been pulled back and you're looking at the bed bugs that have been there. So it becomes opportunity in terms of how we deal with the, I don't know what they'll say, I'll, I'll ask quickly. Um, we would like to ask quickly. We would like to answer quickly, recognize the divine, recognize the divine where you are fearful, where you are fearful, do not act in fear. Do not act in fear. You will perpetuate it. You will perpetuate it and claim power and claim power. Give fear power. Give fear power if you act upon it. If you act upon it, relinquishing fear, relinquishing fear then gives you the opportunity, then gives you the opportunity to lift above the situation, to lift above the situation you see, which is the only place you can attend to it, which is the only place you can attend to it. Lift above anything. To lift above, above anything gives you the opportunity gives you the opportunity to lift it to you, to lift it to you. You don't have to damn anything. You don't have to damn anything. You have to realize God. You have to realize God or the source of all things or the source of all things, the light if you prefer, the light if you prefer to lift the darkness, to lift the darkness to its true nature, to its true nature, period, period, period. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Paul. Um, so my question is kind of as we are walking the path of like, um, you know, the, the Christ in man is an event that happens and yeah. we start to um, have an integration, like an integration experience, purging out all the fear and all of that. Um, is there any value, it, it kind of always goes back to me, it kind of what happened with the hallucinant, uh, can't think of, can't say the word, but anyway, um, like the like just kind of semantics, right? Mm -hmm. And like understanding something as an experience within yourself, and then you come across, you know, teachers like the guides, and they're explaining something another way, and it kind mm -hmm. of you already got it. But my so my question is, um, is there like value in like I can only speak to my own experience, but like a difference between what is something that you are channeling or receiving versus being in an elevated state where you are your true self and you're expe like experiencing and mm -hmm. gaining insight 
and that to not necessarily have to think of it as something that's outside other companies. Absolutely. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Okay. Channeling is, you know, channel, I mean, people sometimes say they want to channel, and I don't know why anybody would want to do it. Yeah. Because it's, it's frankly stenography. That's really what it is. People think you have the pipeline to get all your problems solved, and that's really not been my experience. I'm here to learn just as everybody else is, and the guides are teachers. They're here to teach. I don't know if they care if I ever get a date, you know? And I, I keep asking, you know? So that's that stuff. But I don't, I think that what happens is you move to a level of alignment, this is what they say, you're moving to a level of receptivity and alignment where you're in your knowing. You see, if you're in your knowing, which is clear cognizance, it's a psychic skill, but it's also the innate state of connection. When you're in your knowing, you're not even asking. Do you understand that? You're in a state of receptivity. And I'd rather do that than channel any day to be honest with you, it's easier. So they're bringing through a teaching, and anybody that's accessing information for themselves, psychically, it's one way to access information. It's not the only way. You know, and people get told all kinds of crap that isn't true. And I, I tell people, if they want to open up, be really discerning. You know, anything that's teaching you in fear, telling you you're better than somebody else or that you're here for some high special reason, that's suspect to me because it tends to play upon the ego, you know, and what you're talking about isn't. It's the opposite of that. Do you understand? It's more of being in a state of agreement to who you truly are and your ability to truly know. Yeah, and like, with, like cognizance is like the tricky one because it's like if you hear someone else saying, you're like, all right, cool, so I could believe it, but then you're, if you access kind of like, whoa, massive connections, to like kind of like, like I guess it's the ego that checks it after. That's like, yo, did you really? Because you know, it's, it's like your own voice, right? So it's not someone else. And so you're like, do I really? You have to learn the difference finally, I think, between, well, the, the intuitive voice, I don't know. I don't, I guess I don't have the answer. When I first started hearing stuff and unexpectedly, I was, I, was, I was about to go to NYU to go to work one day, you know, and I've always been a bit of a schlub, you know, and I was looking at the closet, and I said, what should I wear today to myself? And I heard, wear the blue shirt, <laughs> which was the one thing that was pressed. And I, so I put on the blue shirt, and that was the day I got called into the boss's office for a meeting that was unexpected, and I was really glad I'd worn the blue shirt, you know? And so I don't get information unless I ask. It's really, I don't, they don't intercede, they don't take away free will, they don't override. I have my own inner dialogue going, but if I ask a question, I may get the answer, you know, but I can understand the difference between what's channeled and what's mostly what's wishful thinking. Most people that I know who do what I do and what you do, we're not reading for ourselves because we still have desired outcomes. And so I'm not necessarily the best read for me if I want to know what's going to happen to me. I can go to somebody else who can do that effectively. Okay, thank Thanks. you. Uh -huh. Hi, guys. Hi, Hello. Paul. Thanks to you. Mm -hmm. I'm Shahana. Um, I don't know if this is going to be an okay question to ask, so go, yeah, yeah. totally cool. Um, it has to kind of do with uh, a health situation and the health collectively of what's happening. So mm -hmm. I've been suffering from an illness that is one of these undiagnosed kind mm -hmm. of no one knows what's going on idiopathic thing. And after a lot of the, the Western medicine and the Eastern medicine, you start to kind of go like, okay, well, what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> you know, the Louise Hay kind mm -hmm. of metaphysical, these are the causes, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I went to the community, and I found there's so many people that have these undiagnosed, just mm -hmm. neurological things happening. I can't believe the amount, and no one knows. And I just kind of want to know, like, I start to think, okay, so if, you know, this is an energy pattern or a thought pattern that's causing this kind of a thing, what's happening collectively? I mean, I, I always say I don't do medical readings. It's one thing I always have to no, say. I and I know you're not asking for that. Yeah. And I don't have the vocabulary of a doctor, you know, which, which is helpful in people that do. And they can say, oh, this is what's happening here and there. And I don't, you know, I know what the pancreas is. I don't know what it does. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just going to tune in and see if there is anything on this. They're pointing to you. i got to do this. Can I have your whole name? Is that okay? First and last? Yes, middle. if that's okay. Yeah. Shahana Michelle, hi. Say it again. Shahana Michelle, hi. Hi, hi it? Hi, just hi. Hi. <laughs> Let me see if I can do this. I just haven't done this yet tonight. See, you actually come through angry, furious. And what I hear under that is nobody's hearing me and I'm gonna be damn well hurt. And there's a little part of you that also comes through saying, if I have to kill myself to do that, I will do it, I will do that. I will it's just, this, when I tune into you, it's really interesting. It's almost like feeling combustible when I go to you, like I could combust. So I'm gonna go, why? And I'm not saying this is the reason for anything. The first thing I generally get is just what it feels like to be you and then the language to support that. The challenge with this is, and I'm saying, that's not the right way to say it. The challenge with some of this, in your case, I have to say, is to, to be on a mission and to be healthy at the same time. I hear a caution in your case about using this for mission because then you end up self-identifying through it and then requiring its mandates. And that is suppressive of you, finally. You succumb then to an identity that's not, that is not of health. To realize health is to know who you truly are, beyond symptoms, beyond, symptoms, beyond manifestation, beyond manifestation, a higher claim, a higher claim of what the body indeed is, of what the body indeed is, realization of God as form. Realization of God as form may not fix things, may not fix things as you would have them fixed, as you would have them fixed, but, great opportunity, but it gives you great opportunity to renew the self, to renew the self beyond the limitations, beyond the limitations and structural identity and structural identity that many of you claimed that many of you have claimed. You understand yourself as body. You understand yourself as body, but you believe the body to be separate from God. That is how you've been taught. That is how you have been taught. God is the clouds. God is the clouds. Nothing below. Nothing below. When God is known as body, when God is known as body, an expression of God is form, an expression of God as form, 
the body will be renown. The body will be renown in its true nature. In its true nature, there is no aspect of you. There is no aspect of you, no aspect at all, no aspect at all that is outside of God, that is outside of God or the energy that you call God or the energy that you call God as you recognize this, as you recognize this and claim it as your own and claim it as your own. You move into reliance upon that. You move into a reliance upon that beyond the structure, beyond the structure, the medical definitions, the medical definitions that you often adhere to, that you often adhere to, which is always in concert, which are always in concert or to the ideals of the time, to the ideals of the time, the language of medicine. The language of medicine, as you understand medicine, as you understand medicine is still rooted in past, is still rooted in past comprehension, comprehension, true teaching, true teaching, true healing, true healing is always of source, is always of source, while medicine is necessary, while medicine is necessary, medicine is also of source, medicine is also of source, when you move into comprehension, when you move into comprehension, comprehension of what true wellness is, of what true wellness is. You may know yourself in a different way. You may know yourself in a different way, period. And they're saying period. Okay. Wow, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. Okay. We gotta wrap it up. So we're gonna finish right up front here. Ma'am. Yes. Hi, how are you? Good. Um, Can you speak in the mic? friend of mine, the end of December, I didn't think I'd make it to January 1st. I went to a breath class. I found a person named Catherine Fuller who knows of you. I didn't know about subconscious. So I went to a bookstore and I happened to find your books out of how many columns. Today I was at a shaman's house getting healing. Talked about his wife, talked about where I was going tonight, he says, I know him. You know Shaman Dar. Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So it was just fun to see uh -huh. circle. Um, so I'm learning about subconscious and I know I've been doing a lot of good jobs too, but at times when I can't sleep at night, I can't control my my thoughts are. Mm -hmm. Would it be all right to ask you what have how have I grown wonderfully, and what is my next learning lesson? Well, I'm, you know, I'm not going to do a full reading. I'm going to give you a quick tune-in just because of time. Can I have your whole name, please? Sue Paulus. Let's see if I can do this. Well, it's interesting because you come through saying, I have to be seen as the one getting what she needs. It's a need to be, to be seen which is actually, in your case, not about being seen. It's about being accepted. It's a deep desire for acceptance. And you seek, you're seeking still to find it externally. And this is about a base need to know that you matter and have always mattered. And this has been, I'm hearing, it's the core issue in, in your life. And I hear in your voice, I do matter, but I don't trust it. But I don't trust it. So I have to keep getting it affirmed beyond myself, beyond myself, that's what keeps me up. And that's what keeps me up. So how does she attend to this? I'm allowed to be as I am. Nobody has to tell me I'm wrong. 
See, the mind-blowing thing for you is, because when I get the jaw drop, that's the big truth. <laughs> I just get to be. There's nothing else to do. I get to be. I get to be. Like when I say that, your mind is completely blown. Because then it's not that there's something wrong with you that you have to fix. Or you seek to have to be affirmed by. So the gift is being. The guys are saying, don't try, let. Go to allowance. Go to allowance. That's where you'll find yourself. That's where you will find yourself. Not through seeking. Not through seeking. Say this, yes. It's saying to me to say this, yes. You know, in the newest the book that's coming out next August, each book seems to have an attunement of some kind or because they're all energetic transmissions. But one of the things they teach in the new book is this idea of being known. They say you're all so busy trying to find God or to seek, and you don't invite yourself to be known. And one of the claims they make, which you're claiming from the true self and to the true self, is actually, I am known, I am known, I am known. It's, it's quite something. Okay, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Zen Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielek, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also, wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast, and join us there. <laughs>